We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good mo- I guess it's afternoon now. Good mm-hmm. afternoon, Irish Breakdown Land. I am Vince D'Addario, and that is Brian Driscoll, and we are back for another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. And today, we are going to talk about breakout players on defense, and there are some parameters to these selections. And so we do want to get into that a little bit as we go, so that you'll understand why we may have picked some people and maybe not picked some yeah, people. And, right, because here's know. the thing, Vince, right? Like, breakouts happen every year Absolutely. for every team. Somebody yeah. goes from one category to the next. So somebody goes from, you know, good starter, like good player, to like right. national breakout. Somebody yes. goes from like okay player as a starter to like a pretty darn good starter. Some guys go from rotation players to impact starters. Some guys go from never having played to being really important right role There's players tiers. right yeah, so we tiers. kind of view all of them as breakouts to some degree so this isn't like a list of five guys that we're predicting are going to be all americans we're going to have that show later right <laughs> this is just more of guys are going to kind of break out from whatever role they were in last year into a different stratosphere yeah, right yeah yeah and that's really what it comes down to yeah absolutely and it's going to be fun because we got some that match on our list mm-hmm. and then we've got some that don't match on our list right. which i think is fun too, and and frankly, this show could have been three hours long. With oh yeah, the amount we of had players. to cut some dudes out, yeah, right. <laughs> like we were, we wanted, we both had Justin Adamiola on there, and we're like, you know what? Like we're gonna do this other show down the road that he may fit better in, and you know, so we kind of had to do some weeding out in that regard because it's like this show's gonna go on forever. We already do shows that are long enough. Yeah, exactly. We need to make them go even longer. So and there'll be shows where we talk about yeah. these other guys too. Yeah. So uh, the hard part though, Vince, is predicting who actually will be the breakouts. Sure, absolutely. And that's because like it's gonna happen, but who are they gonna be? And well, and that's, it's that's what shows today is gonna be about. Again, and it's also separating the the analyst side of things from like who I want to break out, mm-hmm. like who I really, you know, I just, I've got some love for these certain players and I want them to break out. I want them to be, you know, the player that we think that they can be and all of that. So there, there is a bit of that as well uh, to this. And so, and you'll see that as we, as we move forward, but let's kick it off, Brian. And Oh, of course we will do a little bit of a mailbag when we're done. So if you've mm-hmm. got questions, feel free to throw them in there. We'll star and we'll kind of save them for the end unless they're pertinent to what we're talking about. But uh, we will try to answer some questions at the end. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But let's jump right in here. And we're obviously, we're only talking defense. And I will also say... True freshmen are off the board. That's a different Correct. show. That's a Correct. different show because I did have a couple true freshmen. And I was like, okay, let's talk about – you're like, different show. Yeah, we had to weed them out somehow. And so right. as we thought like about future shows we have coming down, mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't want to talk about Justin Adamiola in eight different shows. Yeah. Right? right. And like Jason Adamiola is already getting talked about a second time because we just talked about him in the disrespected players. So, like, we won't spend as much time on right. that. So we're just trying not to get repetitive with guys. So that way we kind of broke them into different shows. So we'll have some of that stuff. Well, cause it, the fre- the freshman class on defense is going to be very interesting Vince. Cause both of your no freshmen doubt. were on, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the freshmen that you had are, are both guys that are, you look at and say, well, this kid could be playing a ton by the end of the year. Exactly. What's the very definition of this breakout, but we're going to put them in more of a different, a different yes. show. So like freshman breakouts or something along those lines. Yeah, you know, who's going to be freshman yeah. impact players? I mean, that's right. what it boils down to, right? There's going to be some on both sides of the ball, I would yeah. imagine. So, yeah. Okay. So let's go defense. We're going to start with one that is on both of our lists. Also, I would say the most unsurprising member of this list would be linebacker Will Marist Leofau. Mm-hmm. He's on both of our lists. He was a no-brainer. He was the second person I put on my list. Uh, he is, and I was I was struggling because we kind of talked about the tiers, right? You've got not playing at all to being a rotation player, maybe a rotation player to being a starter, a starter being a star. He doesn't really fit in any one of those three categories because he didn't play last year, but he was penciled in as a starter. So I kind of put him in the first tier of starter about to be a star. I mean, he's he could he's the most interesting guy on the list, Vince, because he's going to potentially go from having like never started a game in his career to not playing at all last year to what we think is a guy that has a chance to be a really really difference maker in this Notre Dame defense. I mean, and that's why it was like a no brainer that he was going to, like you said, it was a no brainer he was going to be on this list. Just the very definition of it. Not that he's necessarily going to be their best player, but like you know if. We're, there's other guys we're going to talk about that you know they were really good, you know pretty good players last year that we think are going to kind of take that next level. 
you know, if, if Maris is a guy that has 80 plus tackles and seven tackles for loss and two sacks, that's a breakout season for him. I mean, yeah. so like it's easy to throw him into this category. The question for me, Vince, and I think the more intriguing aspect of this conversation is putting Maris Lewifal in a breakout category after what he's kind of done the last couple of years, which is, you know, show flashes. But again, he didn't start over Shane Simon in 2020. Last year, he didn't play at all. I'm looking at his 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 tackle numbers for 2020 when he was a good rotation player. He had 22 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, a half a sack. Yeah. Right. I think the more intriguing aspect, Vince, and what I'll say, what I'll ask you first is, okay, it's easy to put him in the breakout category, but what level of breakout are we thinking is going to go into? Because he's going to go from doing nothing yeah, sitting out last year, being nothing but like a rotation player in 2020 to a starter and a guy that people are predicting is going to be a, a, a good player at Notre Dame at the very least. Sure. Where what's the degree to the breakout that you're predicting for, for him this year? And I, again, I have some ideas I'll share afterwards, but I really want to kind of let you kick this off with Maris is, you know, OK, breakout easy. What's the degree? What kind of player are you projecting yeah. and predicting that Maris is going to be this year? So here's a very specific prediction for you, okay? Notre Dame obviously kicks things off September 3rd. They've got four games in the month of September. They've got, you know, obviously Ohio State away, Marshall and Cal at home, North Carolina at, away, and then they kick off October. They have a bye, and then they kick off October in Vegas, right? And Vegas is going to be a huge game. Obviously, it's going to be on – NBC and all of those different things. Okay. But coming off of a buy, it's almost like a, I don't want to say you hit the reset button, but you kind of, you do to a degree. Okay. Here's my prediction for Maris. I think he is going to be singled out in the pregame show for the BYU game, October 8th, as the heartbeat of this defense. I, I think they're going to be like, wow, where did this kid come from? And he's, he's you know, leading the nation in this, and he's doing this, and he's flying all over the fo- all over the football field and all of these different things. I think they do like a little story on him leading up to the BYU game on October 8th. I think four games, after four games, you were going to know who Maris Lufau is and what he can do for this defense. And I think they are going to go as he goes. And I, I think by October 8th, the country is going to see that. So you're going not just that he's going to be a starter and a good player, but he's going to be a star. I mean, yes. you're thrusting them all into the star category. Yeah. Maybe that's a bold take at this point. Well, I mean, that's I what think this show's got, about, right? I think I mean, he's got the tools, man. I right. think he's got the demeanor. I think that he has enough of the flash plays as well that people want to see that, you know, and the NBCs and the ESPNs mm-hmm. of the world, like, latch on to. I think he's going to have a few of those in the first four games. And so I think it's going to be easy to point him out and be like, Let's do something mm-hmm. on him to lead off this huge game in Vegas against BYU. For me, Vince, I don't disagree with anything you said in regards to what Maris can be. I'm just not quite ready yet to throw him into that star category simply because uh, I just need to see him be a starter first. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, so that's kind of where some of my hesitancy hesitancy is in that regard, but it, I, I feel the same excitement you do, Vince. I get excited about the same thing. It's just with him, it's because of the injury last year and because of, you know, the, the fact that what we don't know yet is does he have the discipline from an sure. assignment standpoint to be that kind of player? 
And I think that's really the, the holdup I still have for Marist. And, and the only question is just, come, again, coming from the standpoint of we just haven't seen him do a whole uh, it a whole lot. You know, 22 tackles in 2020. I mean, he, right. he showed some athleticism in the Bama game. And yeah, I think, was it you that I was talking about yesterday, Vince, talking about the first half? No, Sean. I was talking to Sean uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago. Sean Davis and I were talking about this. And he was talking about how he just went was going back and watching the, the ACC championship game. And he just was talking about how Maris just flashed so much with his athleticism. Mm-hmm. That's another game you saw. You saw it in the North Carolina game. You know, you saw flashes of it. But the issue that he had the last time we saw him was he would m- do some plays where athletically, Vince, he he'd like, God, that dude can flat out run. Yeah. We haven't seen a guy that can run like that since Jalen Smith was here, right? Right, absolutely. But then you kind of flip it like, wow, he was about four gaps off on that play, right? You know what I mean? Like, he, why is he running there when the ball's going here, you know? Yeah. That could just be normal inexperience, and that's but but the the only thing is that's all we've seen. We haven't seen sure. that guy. So those are the big things for me. Is if if he can combine the the flip side is is you become more disciplined and then you lose your aggressiveness, mm-hmm. you lose your in, instinct, you lose your playmaking ability. I think that's kind of what we saw from Shane Simon, really athletic player, but just didn't know how to you know, just was so focused on this is what I'm supposed to do that he couldn't play fast, couldn't play loose. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking Maris Lufau is going to do that right? <laughs> just right. because of the way he plays and even just what we saw from him in the spring game, you know, with, to your point about being a playmaker, I mean, the big interception, he reads, sniffs out that screen to Michael Mayer, he jumps the pass, right? you know, it's, it's thrown over his head, he's right there because he'd sniffed it out. So if if he can become a more, if he can become a more disciplined player from what we saw the last time he was on the field in a game, I don't disagree because I think the will position in this defense is going to be geared towards being a playmaker position. Right, absolutely. And then the other thing that we were told last year is that he was their best pass rusher in camp before he got hurt. So how are they going to use that part of his role? And Because there was a lot of times J.D. Bertrand came free on blitzes last year and was really close to hitting home. He just didn't. Either yeah. didn't quite get there or he missed because he lacks the length. Sure. We think he's going to be much better at the mic than he was as a will. Maris won't have those similar problems. He's faster right. than JD. He's more explosive than JD, which is saying a lot because JD's a pretty darn good athlete. Absolutely. But he's way longer than JD, which is going to eliminate some of that, the, how the length caused some problems. So I think his usage is certainly going to be there. The question I also have is, is can he play 60 snaps a game? To, to have enough of the production to do what you're talking about. I think that's the other thing he has to answer, Vince, is we sure. also haven't seen him play a ton of snaps. So all the tools are there. I think if he can put it all together, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that Maris Lewifau can be. I mean, Because, I mean, what you're talking about, Vince, is you're talking about him being an All-American caliber player. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so you're I talking am. about 90-plus tackles, 10-plus tackles for loss, you know, four or five sacks, multiple interceptions, and then also making plays in big moments, right? That's going to be sure. the key. Is Absolutely. You can't be that kind of difference maker if you're just putting up numbers. Numbers only tell part of the story. Absolutely. Are you making game-changing plays? And I think at the end of the day, that's what I fall down to. I think Marist has a chance to not just put up numbers. He has the kind of skill to make game-changing plays, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing that – if you can add that to the second level of the defense, what's the one thing more than anything else this defense was missing in 20? That's it right there, finishing right the big there. plays. And a that's playmaker on yeah. the, at the second level of the defense. And I, and I think they were in position last year to make big plays. I just don't think that they executed it all the way through. I think right. there was a lot of that going on, a lot of missed tackles in the backfield. I think that, that there's going to be opportunities for big plays. I think Maris gets them, and that's what I was referring to 
when I was talking about doing that piece, right, at the beginning right. of the BYU game. He's going to have some flash plays where those are game-changing type plays. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have those. And I also think, and I wanted to add this to kind of what you were talking about, things that we haven't seen, right, because he was injured all of last year. I think being out last year could have really helped him from a mental side of the game. You talked about being four gaps in the wrong place, right, or Mm -hmm. just flying around with your hair on fire and things of that nature. I think being able to take a step back, forcibly so. I mean, he didn't have a choice, but taking a step back, seeing the game from the sideline as a former starter, right? I mean, but – but being in the room, being on the sidelines, watching film for a whole year, I think that's going to be huge to his maturity level. I think it's going to be huge to his maturation process on the field as well. So I think that's going to be good for him. Now, I would have loved to see him on the field last year, mistakes and all, but I think being out benefited him greatly. And it, we're going to see it this year. And I, I will also speak to the fact that my biggest question mark, and I will echo what you said, is how many snaps a game is he going to be effective? Mm-hmm. What is that number? And I think that's something the coaching staff is going to have to figure out, to be honest with you. where Where's that sweet spot for Maris, right? Where, for all the linebackers. I think that's going to be the challenge. And I, and I think that's yeah. a good point because we talked about this the other day, the depth at – or it was uh, Ryan and I when we were talking about the position groups, right? We were talking about linebackers, and we, we talked about the, the depth and how – deep this linebacking core is for the first time in a while, frankly. And so the coaches are going to have options and they're going to be able to find those sweet spots for guys as far as plays and series and all of those different things. And I don't want to spoil it or anything, but one of my honorable mention guys was Prince Collie. And -hmm. I think he's going to get an opportunity behind Marist once they find that sweet spot. And you're not going to see a whole lot of drop off. Honestly, the presence of guys like Prince Collie and Bull Bauer and Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler and Junior Tui Alamaka and players like that, Jordan Patelho, is why I didn't even consider another linebacker on this list. Simply because standpoint is will any like, for example, I think Drew, I think Jack Kaiser is going to be a better player this year than he was last year. He was a solid player last year. Right. And he was the only guy at linebacker that really did make any game-changing plays. I mean, his his pick six against Wisconsin put that game away. You know, I mean, the, the the second pick six was more about Isaiah Foskey, and he was just kind of there. But, you know, Jack made some plays last year. Sure. But the thing about him is, is he going to play enough because of the different type of nickel looks they're going to show with a fifth DB, uh, rotating with other players, whether it's Jordan Patelho or Jalen Sneed or somebody else? You know, is he going to play enough to have the jump in production to be considered a breakout? You know, can J.D. Bertrand, is he going to play enough at Mike, even if he's the starter, right. to improve on the production he had last year That's if he's rotating tough. with with Bo That's and Junior Jalamaka, right? That's going to be tough. And, that, and so Maris is, is, easy, is the easy one to put because he didn't play last year and he, and he only had 22 right. tackles the year before. Right. But that would be the only thing that kind of keeps me from, you know, was he really going to have that, like I said, that other production is is how much he's going to play. And not just because of his volume, but also because you have a lot of other guys you want to play. But sure. I have a feeling that Maris Luafau is going to be the one linebacker that they just have a harder time, hard time taking off the field. That's, that's kind of my thought on him is, yeah. is, um, you're is, right. You're, yeah. absolutely, you're absolutely right. But it's, it, it's going to make it, I think it's going to make it easier to get him off the field at times because of Prince Collie. I think right. he's going to be one heck of a backup and he's going to force his way on the field, not as a starter. And I don't expect him to be a starter, but, I expect him to force his way on the field. You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. like last year in fall camp, we were watching Maris make all these plays. 
but JD was right behind him, making a ton of plays. We're like, okay, he's going to force his way on the field and he's going to be really good. Now he right. ended up having to start and led the team in tackles, right? right? And so that's why I brought up this question from Call Me Ty. I think it, it fits right in with what we're talking about, Brian. He says, another question, does the will position leave him in spots to make these plays? We've seen it at Rover in the past. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. We only saw it at Rover in the past because of a dude named Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. <laughs> right. It's not, I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm just right. saying, like, he got a level of production out of that Rover position that's unique and rare. You're right, just, exactly. He just was a special player. But if you look at last year, for example, you don't have a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa at Rover, and all of a sudden that production is more normal for that position. You know, again, Jack Kaiser did some good things last year. But it's, I mean, his production compared to Jeremiah Usukoromoa is, is not nowhere in the same ballpark because it's different players and different usages. And, you know, there were times Jack wasn't on the field as part of sub packages, but Jeremiah never came off the field, right? I mean, that's that's the reality of it. But then you look at, okay, so then you get back to what it's normally going to look like. And guess who led the team in tackles last year? Yeah. It was J.D. Bertrand. And as I pointed out in the show the other day with, with um, was it with you, Ryan? Yeah, Vince, when we were doing the the disrespected players, talking about you were talking about J.D. Bertrand was one of your disrespected players. <laughs> um, so uh, I went back and looked, and it was like uh, Jalen Smith, Manti Teo, and then like Tavon Coney were like the only three guys to have more solo tackles in a year than J.D. Bertrand had last year. Right. And, and they were like by a couple. They were all in the 60s. He was at 63. They were all kind of like right there. It wasn't like, you know, they had 80. You know, they had like 64, 66, it was stuff like that. And so that's a position that's going to produce a right. produce a lot. I mean, you look at what Osmar Bilal did in 2019 as the starting will. You know, when he had when he had uh, you know, a, a bunch of tackles, 10 tackles for loss, 79 tackles, 10 tackles for loss as part of a rotation. You know, you look at the production that Drew Tranquil had in 2018, you know, playing that position, the impact plays that he had, you know, that season, 86 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three and a half, three and a half sacks you know, four pass breakups, and then also missed some time that year, you know, got hurt early against right. Navy, right. played very little against Northwestern, which tamped down what his production would have been if he had a healthy 13-game season. So, and then, of course, Jalen Smith with the two years he had as the playmaker. So just in most defenses, the Will or Mike is going to be more of the volume playmaker right. role unless you get a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. That's right. just the nature of that position. So I think that's that's where you, you look at it and say, hey, that's – you know, well, that's, that's, that's so yet yeah, to answer your question, uh, the will position is that, and it's the, it's because one of the other questions that called me tie had Vince was about, you know, will he be best at pass rushing run defense right. and coverage? And my answer was yes. <laughs> right. You know, or, you know, because that's, that's the whole point, right? That's the unique aspect of the will is the will more than any other position has to be utilized as a inside the right. box run stuffer as a guy that can blitz off the edge and blitz through gaps from the second level. And then also as a guy that's going to be tasked with much more challenging coverage responsibilities, where the mic is more running backs and occasionally a tight end up the seam. If he's number three, the will at times is going to be running with wheel routes. He's going to be running with slots. He's going to be running, you know, getting up underneath the, the W type receivers and plays like that. The will has the really challenging responsibilities and coverage the rover does as well but the rover's not asked to be as much of an inside the box run defender compared to the will so uh, i think the the way in which that position has to be utilized and will be utilized is one of the things that i look at and say that's why i believe sure. 
that the, the that Marist is going to be in position to have a big jump in production. And if he can be disciplined within, but that's also why the discipline is a concern because of how much the will is asked to do sure. is if does the production get masked by giving up big plays? Those are the things that you have to ask yourself, but he's going to at very least be a really good player this year. Now we find out if he can be a, a, a game changer and Vince, it sounds like from you that you're, your your prediction is you think as long as he stays healthy and you know that kind of, of thing that he's going to be he's going to break out as a game changer. Type yes, player. no question about it. I, I think and I think he's going to have because look JD from the exact same position of the team in tackles last year and I mm-hmm. think we both agree and anybody that watched enough games that he left tackles out on the field right mm-hmm. and some of the ones that he left it's out just because his length just to, be, right. because of the ones that he left out on the field I think Maris makes those plays right mm-hmm. now, are there plays that JD made that maybe Maris well okay sure sure but. I, I just feel like there's going to be plenty of opportunities from that position. His position does not scare me away from predicting what he can do this year. I, it almost mm-hmm. enhances what I think he can do this year because the will allows you to move around a little bit more and come off the edge and do some different things that you wouldn't be able to do it, Mike, to be honest with you. So I, I'm excited about what Maris can be. I, I think – I think he's going to be a massive breakout player. I mean, going from not even playing at all last year because of injury, granted, but to being one of the centerpieces of this defense. I, I, that's what I'm excited about. So let's go to number two, Vince, because we also have number two is a guy we have in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and this isn't necessarily th- – these next four aren't necessarily in order of like confidence level. We're, we've got like a theme. We wanted to get Maris out of the way first, and then we right. have – some other reasons why we have the rest positioned. Another guy that we both had on our list is Riley Mills. Now, obviously, Riley last year was a key rotation player as an interior guy. We predict that he's going to be the starting big end this year while also playing some inside at times mm-hmm. as well, which we saw in the spring game. Vince, we both have him as a breakout player. Again, I, I'm going to have it. We're going to have a similar conversation with Riley that we did with Marist. He's going to go from a rotation player that had you know some some decent numbers, right? Sure. And 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 you know the, I, I compared him. If you look at like his year two production and compare that to like Jerry Tillery's, and and you compare that to Jason Adamiola and guys like that, his year two production was pretty good uh, compared to those guys. And so, does he kind of take that next step? So Riley last year had sixteen tackles, three tackles for loss. And three sacks. If you look at year two for Jason Adamiola, it was 25 tackles on more snaps, four tackles for loss, no sacks. If you look at Jerry Tillery's sophomore year, he had 37 tackles, three tackles for loss, and three sacks. Riley had three sacks in his sophomore year. Jason Adamiola and Riley and, and Jerry Tillery combined for zero. And neither of them had, you know, uh, just the, the pass rushing impact that he brought to the table. Now, Jason was very disruptive in, as a sophomore in 2019. Again, four tackles for loss. Riley brought more of a pass rushing element to the table, which is why I really like him more as the yeah. big end fins yeah. because Myron Tungvalo was a really good run defender for Notre Dame last year as a big end, but he didn't bring a ton as a pass rusher. Right. Adi Takumba Ogundiji had some moments as a pass rusher. Khalid Kareem was a more consistent clutch pass rusher. Even though his sack numbers were never great, Khalid was a good pass rusher. Just usually he was sending people – the you know his pass rushes were – pushing the quarterback into the arms of someone else. I think we're going to see arguably the best big end set pass yep. rush production this year uh, as a unit that we've seen really since you probably have to go back to Stefan when Stefan too, was here. 
Yeah. And it's not just Riley Mills. It's going to be others. I think we're going to see Justin Adam Mule in that role at times. I think we're going to see Alexander Ehrensberger in that role at times as a pass rusher. I think Nana's probably more of a run defender, but he's had some moments where he's flashed some ability to get, you know, get around the edge with his power. So as a whole, I think that position is going to be much more effective against the pass, but Riley's going to be that guy, yeah. in my opinion. Now, the question is, Vince, what kind of jump does he make? Sure. I really think as long as he's healthy with everything that I've heard, I think Riley Mills is going to be a really good football player for Notre Dame this year. Yeah, I, I would – I'm not – obviously, I can't predict everybody's going to be what I think Maris Lufau is going to be. That That's not where I'm going with That this. would turn this into a homer show. Right, and that is nowhere near where I <laughs> Isaiah Fossey is going to be the sixth best player on right. this football team. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I am of the belief that Riley Mills is going to turn into a solid, dependable starter – whose sack numbers are going to go up. He's going he I don't think it's a stretch when you say that this is going to be the best pass rushing defensive line that Notre Dame has seen in a while. I think I would also say that it's going to be the best pass rushing duo tandem from the, from the big end from the big end position. Mm-hmm. I think him and well Justin I think is going to go back and forth. I was thinking of him as a big end, but I I think they're going to get a lot more production out of the big end from a pass rush uh, scenario than they have mm-hmm. over the past five seasons, five, six seasons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think the only group that can maybe contend with it, you look at that 18 group that had Aquara on one side, you had Khalid Kareem, plus you had Daylin and Adi Takumba Ogandishi coming off the bench as well. And, and, you know, but that group, you know, that group combined for, see, 12 and a half, 14 and a half, 16 sacks. As a whole defensive line? As a, no, no, no. Just the edge players. Oh, just the edge players. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Isaiah Foskey by himself is going to get kind of close to that. Right? I was going to say they're not going to, they're going to blow that out of the water, <laughs> right? It, you know, I mean, just last year. I mean, this is this is we're trying to put this the the pass rush of production into perspective, right? Sure. Last year, I just said that that Khalid Kareem, Julian Aguara, Dalen Hayes, and Ijekuba Ogundiji combined for 16 sacks together in a year where we all thought Notre Dame had one of the five best defensive lines in the country and right. was a primary <laughs> driver of them going 12 and 0. Last year, Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamiola alone combined for 16 sacks. Right, right. And and then you throw three from Riley Mills. You know, you've got two from Myron, two from Nana, uh, one from Alexander Ehrensberger. You're over 20 sacks. What you, right. what Vince and I believe is that, that we're going to see more of that this year from the edges. Yes. And for two reasons. One is I think they're all a year older and better. Yeah, It's not a coincidence that Riley Mills and his three sacks last year, two of them came in the Virginia game when he was playing big end because Myron right. was out with an illness. It's not a coincidence. The other part of it too, Vince, is I, I think going back to the first point, the, the up production, because I think J.D. Bertrand is going to be a better blitzer as a Mike than he was a Will. I think he's going to be a better blitzer than Drew White was. I think Drew White's going to do some other things better. But I think as a blitzer, I think J.D. is going to be more effective as a Mike blitzer. Obviously, Bo Bauer has proven to be a decent blitzer when used there. I think there's going to be a jump in production at the Will p- position where he's going to come screaming through on some blitzes, which is then going to spin – the quarterbacks out into the edge players, as opposed to in the past, it's been the other way around. And so I think those things factor into it, but I, I really have confidence that Riley Mills is going to yeah. come out this year and, and double his sack total at least and and be a guy that's just a, a really good, strong player. He's going to have to become a little bit more consistent from a – like at times his leverage gets a little high. You know, he's, sure. he was a young player. You know, right. the, the, the technique wasn't always consistently there. 
he had a good start to the spring, but it wasn't great, but he had a great finish to the spring from what we heard. And what that tells me is he really took well to Al Washington's coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also part of it is I think that that, that he needed a, a little bit more of an advanced repertoire. And I think we're going to see that from him. And and again, I think the the product the sack production is from him is going to be there. And I think that he's a guy that's going to have at least five, six sacks this season, which again, that's not huge numbers, but again, the way that they run this defense, a lot of times on third down, he won't even he might not even be on the field. Right. Unless they move him inside with Jason and put Justin on the outside with Fosky. I mean, we could see something like that as sure. well. And then he's rushing as an inside guy on third down. More of a speed package or right. NASCAR, or whatever right. you want to call it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I, I think he's going to be a difference maker. And I think yeah. that unique combination of him and I think Fosky and I think the trio of Fosky and Mills and Justin Adamiola is going to be Notre Dame's best pass rushing tree, like group in a long time. To your point, Vince, I think. Yeah. Just the numbers are going to be excellent. I mean, you you go you'd have to go back and look at that 2012 group of Tuit, Shimbo, and Cap. You know, which combined for 24 and a half sacks, just the three of them. And they technically were all edge players. You know, Prince was an outside linebacker. Cap and Stefan were both ends. Yeah. Yeah, but that I'll be shocked if this group that trio doesn't surpass that group. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, and I don't. I hate to say it like this because that group has some names and they're playing in the NFL and all of those different things, but I don't think it's going to be all that close. Yeah. To be that's a lot of sacks. I mean, I that's, yeah, that's a but, lot of sacks. But, I think it'll be close. Yeah. I just think, think because also that defense in fairness was not a, a defense. that was really turned loose. There's a three, four read and react two gapping defense. It, I think it's impressive that they had as many sacks as they did. It just shows how good they were, especially the six from cap because he he definitely wasn't put in pass rushing mode. But I think this group has a chance. And I think Riley's going to be a big part. And and it's important that he be he has to be that guy too, Vince, because if you can't take some pressure off of of Isaiah Foskey, then it's going to be a lot easier for teams to double team because I'll tell you this like first couple games of the year against Ohio State and and Marshall and Cal, they're going to look at 99 and say that's the guy we're least worried about. Yep. And we got to make, make sure 7 and 57 don't beat us. And and that's going to be the key. And now, oftentimes, you're going to see seven and fifty-seven. That's Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamiola together, because normally Notre Dame is an underfront. Underfront means the three technique is the same side as the Viper. Now, one thing that I noticed in the in the blue gold game, Vince, is I saw a lot more overfronts in that game. Now, what I don't know if that was just them staying in their under alignment and then bumping guys over, so then the nose maybe bumps out, or if they actually flip, which teams normally do on an over and under front. I don't, I don't, I didn't study it enough to, to, to know that, but I did see some overfronts in that game. Uh, that could get interesting because if you got Jason on one side and Isaiah on the other, now all of a sudden you're looking at some really interesting protection issues for teams. But uh, I think that's the thing is he's going to have to step up early in the year just from a practical standpoint, Vince, and show that he's capable of really leading this, le- leading that position group into the production that we think it can have and needs to have, to be completely honest with you. Okay, so our the third uh, young man that we are going to talk about is actually on your list. So I'm going to yeah. let you take this one. Well, these next two is when we're going to kind of we have some differences of our predictions for breakouts. Not differences like we disagree with each other. We just had other guys over over those. And, and mine is Jason Adamiola, and we won't talk about this too much because we talked a lot about him last week. And, and where he falls into the breakout, is I think he was a good player for Notre Dame. Statistically, he he had some he did some good things, but he didn't necessarily have like the monster production. 
I think we're going to see a lot more production from Jason. I, I'm shocked at the the lack of respect he's getting in some yeah. of the different NFL draft stuff we're reading and hearing. He's not. He's getting mentioned as a key player for the defensive line in like the preseason magazines, but then he's not ranked in like the top 15, right. 20 defensive tackles type of thing. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be considered one of the 10 best defensive tackles in college football. And, and I think he's he's kind of ticked off from what I'm hearing, and, and he's he's recognizing the lack of respect that he's getting. But uh, he's he's really um, – I think he's poised for a, a breakout year. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've obviously talked about Jason an awful lot, and I, that's, I think that's probably why I didn't put him on my list because I feel like he's already a breakout guy. But when you – have them in the disrespected show that we did, and we both had him on our list, then, you know, he's going to break out for everybody else, basically. Right. Not for us, but he's going to break out for everybody else. That's a good one to have on your list. I, I agree with it. I think he's going to be super special. And mm-hmm. when you talk about people's defensive or offensive game plans mm-hmm. and who they have to focus on, he's if he's not on your list, you're not doing your job right. And that's probably partly why I think don't think he's on your list because I think you kind of already view him as that kind of guy. Exactly because right. Impact. I'm looking at it from a production and right. a perception standpoint. Right. Right. I understand why why he's not on your list. I'm I'm looking at it a different way, which is sure. which is why we do it this way because because yeah. we can look at it different ways. Absolutely. But like I said, we don't need to talk a lot about him because we have talked a lot about him, and we continue. Uh, we will continue to because sure. he's that. Sure. Group, you know. Right. So let's focus on uh, another play we haven't talked a lot about this offseason. And, and that is your number three guy, Vince. When now we're going to go to the back end of the defense for this one. So we're going to get away from the front seven a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the secondary for your next two picks are going to be secondary guys. So let's start off with uh, with Ramon Henderson. Yeah, Ramon Henderson is on my list because I think he is – I don't want to say he's forgotten because I think a lot of people pencil him in as the starter across from Brandon Joseph uh, at safety. I do think that that is the case. But nationally, I don't think anybody knows who Ramon Henderson is. And that's understandable mm-hmm. because at the beginning of last season, he wasn't even a safety. And he was getting burned as a corner. And it was kind of ugly, to be honest with you. And I give a lot of credit to the Notre Dame defensive staff to recognize that and move him to safety where he's clearly more comfortable at safety. He was starting to make plays at safety. He is – I've got him as as a – the tier of rotational to solid starter that that's Mm -hmm. kind of where I have him as far as a breakout player is concerned. I think he's going to start. I think he's going to be a very dependable starter across from Brandon Joseph, because again, teams are going to go away from Brandon Joseph. He's going to be a guy that's circled on their offensive game plan and he should be, he's an all American. Right. And so there he's, so Ramon Henderson's going to get tested and I think he's going to Mm -hmm. come through. I think he's going to be really good. I think that I, I'm very interested to see how Notre Dame uses their safeties against Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to use Ramon as a bracket safety, you know, over Smith and Jogba, or however you say his last name? I apologize for butchering Smith it. and Jigba. Yeah. Jigba, thank you. Uh I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. You know, are they, or are they or do they not trust him enough and they put Brandon Joseph over there? You know what I mean? I think Ramon Henderson is going to have an opportunity to have a breakout year. I really do. I, I'm excited to see him play. I like when he comes downhill to hit somebody. I like I like what he does in coverage. I think he's so much more comfortable there. And if you don't have confidence in the secondary, you are not going to be successful. He ha- He lacked confidence as a corner. He gained his confidence as a safety. And I think that is going to only bear fruit for him as the safety 
opposite Brandon Joseph, opposite an All-American, right? So I think Ramon Henderson is going to do some really, really good things this year. I have to say how impressed I am that you stayed on point while you watched me assassinate that fly during your talking point. I almost lost it. That was really impressive. I almost Because I know you knew what I was doing. So that was incredibly impressive, Thank Vince. You. Like you just rolled right, you just steamrolled right through it, man. That was very well done. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have a lot of things to say about Ramon Henderson. So I heard everything you said about Ramon. You did a great job. I was able to lock in as I was plotting the assassination of this fly. <laughs> uh, so for me, Vince, I have to see him. Like you talked about how you think he's going to be a good role player. I kind of feel like that's already what he was the second half of last year. For me to consider him a break, I need to become a playmaker. We saw flashes of it. Like we saw that, like the Virginia game, he had a couple really big plays. Was that the game he also he had a pick in that game too, right? And he came off the edge. Remember that blitz he had coming off the edge to blew the running back up? Like I think Ramon has that potential. I, I try not to get too worked up about spring games. He just didn't look great in the spring game. We didn't hear a lot about him from the spring. So I think he's He's in a unique situation because he went from okay, I was I'm learning a new position and right. I just got kind of comfortable with it, and now we're changing our coverage schemes. Yeah, good point. So I think that put him behind a little bit in the spring, but he also showed that he's a pretty much he's kind of a quick study because he went from being a corner to a safety and and, right. and played decent football. Yeah. So I think for him to be a breakout, in my view. I think he needs to be a, 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 play, a more of a playmaker, like a guy that's like he's clearly your number two guy, and he is a he is he's a guy that you look at and say, well, that guy's going to have sixty plus tackles and two three picks and four or five tackles for loss and a really good player. I think the tools are there. I think they're long, are. athletic, I, and all yeah. he can hit. The tools yeah. are all there. He just, yeah. I just, just got to show it. Awesome. I like that he's on your list though, because if, yeah. if he is a if he if you are right and he is a breakout player this year. This Notre Dame secondary is going to be really good. Yeah, because they already have one great safety. Like somebody asked if if um, if Brandon Joseph be considered a breakout player, and I was like, no, he was an All American. All American, you can't really break out. There's a consensus All American. There's no other breakout that you, unless I think he's going to be like the greatest, the greatest safety ever. It's not really a breakout for him. That's why he's not on my list. Right. We'll have some interesting comments about Cam Hart at the end, but he's at least going to be a good player, like he was last year. If Ramon is a breakout player, Vince, and, and you talked about him third, and, and like I said, this was an order of, of prediction. We talked about him third, but he could be a guy that if he breaks out could have a really big impact on this defense. No question. No question. Because now you have two really good playmaking safeties. Now the sudden the, the position group that's considered your question mark by in most circles, Notre Dame circles, is now all of a sudden got two legit playmakers of safety. That would be big time for this defense. I'm yeah. just not ready to go there with him yet. Right. But if you're right, it's yeah. going to have a huge impact on this defense. And I think that the offseason is going to be huge for him. I really do. From a strength standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, from a learning the position standpoint, like you mentioned, uh, you know, new coverages and things like that. Just when he got comfortable moving from corner to safety in the middle of the season and getting comfortable with what that was, well, now they're changing it all. I think this, you know, the spring is one thing. I think he was just kind of scratching the surface when, when the spring game rolled around. This offseason is going to be huge for him. And I think he's going to have the opportunity to break out as that second safety once the season actually starts. And look, when we talk about secondary, when we talk about defense, they're going to be tested out of the gate, obviously. And so it's going to be a bit of a trial by fire with him at safety if he does end up locking down 
that spot across from Brandon Joseph. And so I see the flashes. I see the tools. I see the work ethic, which I think is really, really important here. And I'm really excited about what he can be. That's for sure. Let's go to number four, Vince. We'll just kind of, we'll make that, we'll kind of snake it a little bit just because right. I, I think it, it's an easy, tra- it's a smooth transition to your number four guy because we're staying at the same position group that that's the one where you need breakouts to yeah. happen more than any. Your number four guy is one of my favorite players, Ryan Barnes. Absolutely. Why do you have Ryan Barnes as a breakout player? I have, you know, I think I've told this story before, but when you and I were at, I want to say it was a spring practice, maybe it was the one, no, it was the one spring practice that we got to go to before COVID hit, right? In mm-hmm. 2020. And I was like, who is that guy? And you're like, dude, that's Ryan Barnes. I'm like, okay, he checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he was an early enrollee, I believe, at that point as, as a freshman, right? And he was, he looked like a college football player that then at that point, right? Well, now we are two years removed from that right and it's only gotten better from a physical standpoint the problem was there were there were people in the way okay that's the best Mm -hmm. way i can put it he was kind of buried a little bit on the depth chart and for whatever reason the coaching staff didn't necessarily trust some of these younger guys i was hoping he was going to get some playing time especially since he missed his senior year high school right Right. that's a good point that's a good point i i I was really hoping that he was going to get some time last fall and he didn't. He didn't really get any time last fall. Uh, I think he may have gotten a little bit of mop up time, you know, that kind of a thing. But that doesn't that doesn't count for me. I, I was hoping he was going to get some legit time. I think this offseason, this spring, is the a great opportunity for him to show what he's got and force his way onto the field. I I, I just mm-hmm. he's long. He's athletic. He he checks all those boxes that you want from the physical side of what a corner is in the modern game, right? A lot of times in the past, 20 years ago, he's a wide receiver. You know what I mean? Because they don't necessarily have big, long, lanky corners, and that's who this guy is. And I love what he brings to the table from a physical standpoint. I'm hoping that two years has you know, enabled him to get the mental side of things down and that he's poised and ready to take a spot I had him as like a no play to a rotational player, mm-hmm. but I, I would not in any way be surprised if he ends up as a starter by yeah. the end of the season. I really wouldn't. I, I think he's going to be in the rotation. I think he's going to be a very key part of the rotation. I think he could be a starter by the end of the season. I'm not quite ready to go there yet, but I think he's going to be really important to what this team mm-hmm. wants to do defensively. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you're right. You know I'm very high on Ryan Barnes, big fan. I think he's a guy that could really help solidify this yes. cornerback rotation, even if it's not as a full-time starter, just as a, a guy that can you know play the role that Tariq Bracey played at times last year. You know, that that – not the nickel role, but, you know, Tariq was the number. I mean, there was times when he was in there and Cam Hart wasn't. Times he was in there and Tariq yeah. and, and Clarence Lewis wasn't on the outside. So I think that's definitely a, a role that I would hope that he would earn. My number four guy is Howard Cross. Now, Howard Cross falls in the category of rotation player to to really, you know, good starter, not a difference maker. But I think that that, that position is very important in this defense. And one thing I don't think we – have ever given enough credit to is the important role that Kurt Heinisch played the last couple of seasons. Now he was never a high volume playmaker. He was never a difference maker. He was never like this super disruptive guy, but he was really steady right up the middle. Yeah. I think Howard cross is that's a very p- important position. Cause if your nose tackle is not playing good football, you're going to get run on. I don't care what you have everywhere else. I think Howard cross is, is my breakout. Cause he brings such a different element to the table than Kurt Heinrich. like Kurt was a tough, like street, you know, want to fight you in a back alley kind yeah. of kid. Yeah. Howard Cross is more of an athletic, quick, disruptive playmaker with great hands and long arms. And so to me, I think that we're going to see the nose tackle role be used a little bit differently this year when he's in the game. And I think he's going to provide, and, and he did it last year in, in, in limited time. I think he's going to provide even more production this year. Cause I think he's probably going to, He'll probably come close to doubling his snaps this season. This coaching staff loves this kid, and the previous coach loved him. And I'm like, well, we're going to see if this is because Elston had like a man crush from recruiting and loved the kid and the family and all that. Right. And how will the new coach feel? And same thing. They love the kid. They think he's a playmaker. And and the, the question, the only question we have is because he's 265, 270, can he hold up for 40 snaps a game? Right. That's the question. Yeah. He's definitely going to play more than he played last year. But I think Howard Cross is a guy that's going to is going to be a very he's going to be the new why don't you ever talk about this guy but you should player. Sure. Yeah. For us. Absolutely. Yes. You know, where we can't talk about everybody and Foskey had two sacks and so and so had a pick and Marist had you know this big play and this guy had that play and you know Jack Kaiser had this great tackle on third, you know but you're like we never talk about Howard Cross but then if you break down the game you're like man look at that look at that look at that look at that and he's just that glue guy right and and I think that is I think that's important but I think the fact that he's going to provide more disruptive production in my opinion my prediction is why he's on this list okay so he's going to go see a big jump in I mean he's going to go from backup rotation got a starter in my opinion right He's going to go from, you know, 15 to 18 snaps on average a game to at least 30 to 35 a game. And I think his production is going to see a big jump. And I think that production is going to be something, Vince, that this defense really is going to benefit from. Uh, and, and when you look at his numbers last year, like he's, again, I was surprised at the end of the year when I saw Howard Cross's numbers. Right. Because I'm like, I don't remember him making, like, you know, I mean, I think I have a pretty good memory. I think I can recall like, oh yeah, this play on this situation. And, and, and I honestly cannot remember a single tackle for loss or sack that Howard Cross had last year, but he had four and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. And it's like, why, why? Cause that's just, he just kind of just, he is. He's, he's not flash. He's not sexy. And he only played, he played 330 snaps last year. 
You know, so it's like, and, and a lot of those snaps came during that period when Kurt Heinis was injured. Right. And so he got a lot more snaps during that period of time. You know, so he played like 36 early, 32, 43, 54, 35, and he was okay at the beginning of the season. But then he was 12, 23, 20, 16, 19, right. 24, 16. And that's when you saw his production really take a jump. So like in the first, this is according to Pro Football Focus, which as we've told you, their grades stink, but their data collection is good. The first six games of the year, he played, I mean, way over way over half his snaps. In the first five games, he played, I'm just doing like 68, it's like 150. He played a ha- over half his snaps in the first five games. He had three, three stops, three run stops. He had eight pressures, right? And if you look at the last half of the year, he played far fewer snaps, but he had nine run stops in those during that stretch and fewer snaps because playing less allowed him to be quicker and more athletic and disruptive. So my question is, can he give the volume that we saw earlier in the year with more production? That's the question that I have. Yeah, I think he will. Sure. And I think that jump in production is going to be something that this that this is going to make this defensive line really tough because you're going to now have potentially have four players that can be disruptors. Kurt Heinis had like one year, 2020, he was disruptive that year at times. Every all the other years, he just was a dirty work, do yeah, your job, yeah. like yeah. blue collar, yeah. like loved the fight. He was their scrapper. Now you're going to have lineups when you have Mills, Foskey. Adam Yola, either one, you know, J- Justin at end or or Mills, Jason at, at three technique, and then Howard Cross. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have a guy – you're going to have four guys can be disruptive. Right. I almost cheated, Vince. I almost yeah. cheated. Not you. I almost – I know, right? I almost cheated and went with him and Jacob Lacey. Yeah, right. Yeah. I really did because I think at the end of the day, it's going to be the combination yeah. of right. the two. Yep. Yep. The reason I went with Cross is because I think Jacob's going to be more – in the Kurt Heinish role where the production is not going to jump at you as much as Howard Cross's production is going to jump at you. But I think their unique combination of styles is why that duo, I think is going to be really good at nose tackle this year. Well, it, it just, I think Cross is going to have the more sexy flashy plays and sure. numbers and, and, but that duo as a whole. So I'm kind of cheating, but I didn't, I, I went with Howard Cross, but I think at the end of the year, if we're talking about like, you know, it wasn't Howard, it wasn't Jacob, it was, the two of them together made that nose tackle position really good. Well, it's funny you say that because you you basically took the reason that I left Cross off of my list because I I almost interchanged Cross with Lacey at this point, and I couldn't pick yeah. between the two of them, so I left them both off, but they both made my honorable mention list right. because of everything you just said. Like, it, they don't strike me – they're going to be super important to what this defense needs to do because where – where do you need to be the best? You need to be the best up the middle. Like that, that's where they need to be really good. But I just didn't see either because I couldn't differentiate the two. And I, I think that's a really good point that you make. We were kind of on the same wavelength on that one. And that's why they both made my honorable mention list. Still very, very important. But yeah, I was that that's why I was just hesitant to put them on my list. But you made right. really good points. I'm excited about those guys. It's very oh, fair. Yeah. It's very fair. Let's go our number five guy, Vince. You and I have the same player at number five. Mm-hmm. And the reason we went him fifth is because his the conversation about him is a little bit more interesting. And that is Cam Hart. 
Now, here's here's the interesting because Cam was pretty good last year. I mean, we had this conversation last week, Vince, where we kind of compared his numbers to Julian Love, like his what he allowed, the the production he allowed. He allowed so few, so like uh, significantly fewer catches than what Julian Love had done in his second year as a starter, uh, and even allowed fewer catches and yards than what Julian Love allowed in his consensus All American season. And so we kind of talked about maybe some of the reasons why. And of course, Cam was an inconsistent player at times last year, just because again, first year in the starting lineup, still learning it to be a converted wide receiver. But when he was on, he was really good. Yeah. So I was a little hesitant to put him on this list because he was already a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. I think the reason he's on this list, though, Vince, is you and I believe that he's not going to. He's going to. He's going to go from good player to by the end of the year. We're talking about him as being one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Yep. That's the reason ultimately we decided to put Cam Hart on this list. And of course, we had to talk about him because I can't do a show on breakout players if we don't talk about the kid that Vince is the you know president of his fan club. Right. right? So that's the other reason we had to talk about Cam Hart. Of course. I and mean, look, he's gonna go from steady starter, steady mm-hmm. starter to two at star. times. Really, yeah. really good, right? Right, but to star, and now that, that's the the category one that I wrote down, right? It, it's it's good to great, essentially, and I, I think that he has every opportunity. And this is a projection show, so we obviously are projecting, but we're projecting him to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And again, he's going to get tested. I I, I think that there's going to be offensive coordinators out there that are going to say, okay, you know, we hear the hype, let's see it. You know, mm-hmm. and I welcome it. I'm I'm excited about that. I I want I want people to see how good Cam can be. And I think this off season, I think last season was huge for him, being a starter, being someone that they're counting on. And he was a first time starter, right? I mean, he kind of went from nothing to steady, steady starter to now he's had that season. He's understood what that's about. Now he takes this offseason, he puts this defense, this secondary on his on his back, mm-hmm. on his shoulders, and he takes that to another level. I, I think that's kind of the maturation process of really, really, really good players. You get that first season of starting under your belt where, okay, you're counted on and there's good things that you do, and you know, but you're steady and you're but then you you parlay that into the offseason. You parlay and and remember, he didn't really get a spring because he was, you know, was injured. And so he didn't really have that opportunity. So more time in the film room, more time in the weight room, all of those different things. And then he goes into the offseason. He's going to be considered one of the leaders. And now he has that opportunity because he could have come out last year. I believe Ryan had that intel about his grade that he got from the NFL draft process. And that was a second, third round grade, right? By some, by some. After last year, right? Right. And – he only has a chance to build on that. And he could right. be an A one player. He could be a first round player if he goes out and has the kind of season that I think his projection is leading him to. I, I you know, all jokes aside, I'm just really, really excited to watch what Cam Hart does this year. And I agree with you. I think he could be one of the best corners in the country when it's all said and done. So for me, I think it, the first part is where's he going to play? Is they gonna, are they going to yep. keep him at the field? Are they going to keep him in the boundary? Are they going to start going left, right? I'm curious about that. Yeah. Do they use him to match up a little bit this year? Are they comfortable with that? So, yeah. uh, you know, it could be like t- there was a discussion in the chat about, you know, how Ohio State defends Jackson Smith and Jigbo. There's two schools of thought. One is you put your best corner on their best receiver, right? So you put, you know, Cam Hart's going to go where Jackson Smith oh, and Jigbo is going to go. Yeah. 
or you could do what I always like to do, which is put your best corner on their number two receiver, take him out, and then double team and 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 really rotate your coverages to that guy. Because I think what what I kind of view it as, or you say, hey, look, you're just going to leave him at the field and and go about it that way. So I think there's a lot of different ways you could go about that, and how they use him is going to have an impact on on how on on his production this year. But I think either way, you're talking about you're talking about a guy that is going to be a difference maker, however he's used. And I think the fact that he can play boundary and field is something that does give you some flexibility if you so choose to do so. I also think we're going to see Notre Dame play a little bit more zone this year. And I think that's going to benefit Cam from a production standpoint. I think you're going to see him getting more tackles for loss in the screen screen game. I think you're going to see him getting more breakups because he'll be able to drive on the football. Because against Wisconsin – because they were such a heavy run play action team, Notre Dame played a little bit more zone from what I could tell. And guess what? That was Cam's most productive game, right? Because right? they were putting an extra safety in the box and really playing the run. And, you know, your corners are kind of playing over the top and things like that. And Cam has a huge game, which I don't think is a coincidence. Right, exactly. So I, I think that that's going to help him as well, too. I think his technique is refined. And here's another thing I was talking to, and I think we've talked about this on the show. And and I was talking to somebody that that's connected to to Cam, but not like a family member of Cam's, right? It's not like a family member of Cam's or a friend of Cam's, something like that. But somebody that was kind of around him this summer when he was working out. And apparently, like Cam has just, you know, he's always been kind of a, a quiet, sort of laid back kind of kid. You know, friendly. The kids like him, but he wasn't like a, you know, he just he wasn't just like a. <clears throat> and apparently, this summer, it, like like. Like this, like between the period between when school ended and when when the school when they kind of came back, he was he was down at down south uh, training, and some of the people that were training with him were like, "This kid, I don't know this dude. I don't know who this kid is. <laughs> like, like this guy is a monster. Like this guy is hungry. This guy's getting in your face saying, let you know, let's go, let's go work out.' And you know, that's kind of that thing where." Cam kind of got a taste of, you know what? I can be really good. And I want to be really good. And I want to do the work to be really good. And he's putting that work in. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what gives me a little bit more optimism about it's like there's this really negative optimism about the secondary. And I get why. I watched the bowl game too. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, but I, I think we kind of have to take that. Uh, we have to kind of take that a little look. They had a, there was a lot of reasons why I don't want to rehash them and make excuses, but that wasn't the product we saw for 12 games before that. We saw one position have similar issues all year, but never even to that degree, it wasn't as bad, but you're going to have, you have an all American safety on one side. You have another all you know, potential all American player at corner. We have a breakout guy at safety. And then a lot of people in the chat, we're asking why he was the safety that we picked as a breakout. Yeah. We had a super chat from Sean S who said, you know, can, can Xavier Watts become on defense? What you thought he could be at receiver level of impact wise. You know, we had other people down here. I wanted to kind of to, to bring up uh, Brandon Plesner. I want to see Xavier Watts break out at safety. I think he has more talent and a higher upside than Henderson. I think there's merit to that conversation. Uh, 99 promise BK one, where's Xavier Watts in his development. Everyone's excited about him, but he seems to have faded as Ramon Henderson has ascended, does he still have some dude potential? Because we've talked a lot about him. Absolutely. You know, so the, the point is, is there's a lot of guys, Vince, that you say, you know, it's not just one guy. 
if this guy breaks out, they're good. If he doesn't, they're screwed. There's other guys that could be that player at those positions. So I think the secondary is going to be a little better than people think. I don't know if it's going to necessarily be great because the other cornerback position is still a big question mark at this point in time. But when you have two potential like dudes in your secondary, you're not going to have a bad secondary. Right, exactly. And that's the thing is is I think this is going to be a, still a pretty good secondary. And if I remember correctly from the spring, they were doing a lot of left and right with their court safeties, but they were starting with with uh, Brandon Joseph as the boundary, if I remember correctly, which meant you've got Brandon on one side and Cam on the other. So it's not like you're putting them on one side and then good luck on that other side. You know, they're playing on opposite sides. And so uh, I think that is a reason why I I look at it and say, I think that this seconder could be better than we think. Because if Cam Hart's the breakout player that we both think he will be, right? you've got two All-American caliber players in your secondary. Correct. You're not going to suck in the secondary if that's the case. And, and I, 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 like you said, I picked a sa- another safety to be a breakout player, and that's just a solid starter. And if right. they can find a solid starter at the other corner, they're going to be in great shape. If you right. have two All-American caliber players and two solid starters, that's a really good secondary. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about what this secondary can be. And, and I also agree that it's a, the, one of the biggest question marks on the team, but – that is saying something considering how high we are on the defensive line and the linebacking core. So mm-hmm. just because they're the biggest question mark doesn't mean that they're a liability either. So mm-hmm. uh, people have to understand that I, the linebacking core and the, and the defensive line are going to be really good. So yeah. if secondary is the biggest question mark and they have an all American that's already there and a guy who we think could be an all American, I think this defense is going to be pretty decent. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty good last year, <laughs> yeah. but that's what we do, right? Recency bias is a real thing. We all sure. deal with it. Right. Sure. And I get it. I get it. But what we saw in the bowl game is not what we saw all year. For example, okay. Notre Dame's defense played pretty bad against Oklahoma State. Well, Ohio State gave up 45 points to Utah. Do we really think that they're going to go out and give up 45 points every game? No. Uh, that bowl games are a different animal. I just, I, I just don't put a lot in it. But I also think that that doesn't mean we dismiss the fact that there were the issues that they had. And it was also a completely different coaching staff as we've discussed before in the past. Who are some of the other guys, Vince, that you had a hard time keeping off of this? Yeah. We, so, we said Justin Adamiel is one. So we just decided to move him to another show. Right. Right. So, I mean, he, he could have easily been on this conversation. Uh, that was one, right. Who are some that, other guys that we had on the list? Uh, Alexander Ehrensberger was one. Yeah. I, I think he has the potential to be a guy who would fall in the third category for me, like a no play ish type kid to yeah. a solid rotation player. And I, I think he could be that guy. So he's one guy that I had on there. So he made honorable mention for me. I already mentioned Cross and Lacey. And then I also already mentioned uh, uh, Prince Collie. I, I think he's going to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to really make a name for himself. Because remember, we were talking about him as the next coming of linebackers before they signed this four man linebacking crew. That's now true freshman. And I still think he could be a very, very important piece of this defense. And again, not to rehash what we already talked about, but if Maris can't be an 80 snap guy, a 70 snap guy, well, which is okay. Sure. You've got a pretty good backup coming in, in Prince Collie, who's going to take over that position as well. They're going to play it differently, but I think they're both going to get a lot of production out of that will linebacker position. So those those are the guys I kind of had on my honorable mention. Uh, so Justin, Aaronsberger, Cross, Lacey, and Collie. Those well, Justin wasn't had. on your honorable mention. If full no. disclosure, he was on yeah. Vince's list of five guys. Right. He was bought. So I so I get I, 
I just want to make sure people don't think that you didn't have him among your, your top five. He was a guy that was discussed as should we discuss him? And we're like, yeah, he's in the list, but we're going to talk about him again in another show. I like those. Obviously, Lacey, like I said, I had a hard time not putting in this list. So he obviously would be an honorable mention guy for me just as part of that rotation with with Howard Cross. Uh, I, I think a guy that could end up making us look bad for not having on the, him, him on this list at the end of the year is Jack Kaiser. I, I do. I think year two in the starting lineup, yeah. if the if the pass rush is improved, like if Maris is getting pressures, then who's going to benefit from that? It's the guy that line on the opposite side because you usually throw it kind of away from the blitz. You know, Jack's going to be there. I think he had a solid first year. I think depending on how they they use him and how they how they structure their coverages, I think he could be a guy that makes a lot of plays this year. Uh, but I, I, you know, when I when I look, I think he's a guy that could be on his list, Vince. Here's another guy, Vince, that I want to ask you about. Here's a guy that I think has a chance to break out. That's going to create some some uproar. Okay. And this isn't my prediction. This is what I'm hearing from some people. Guy that had a really good spring, finished the spring off very well, and is working like a dog this offseason. Clarence Lewis. I think we all just assume he's, he sucks and he's going to suck and he's not going to get any better. And the thing that I've said is I liked Clarence coming out of high school. Yeah. I gave him a three-and-a-half star grade and a four-star upside. That's not the kind of guy that should be starting as a true freshman or even as a true sophomore. I think Clarence was thrust into the lineup earlier than expected. If Notre Dame's recruiting hadn't been so bad before he got here, I think Clarence would have been a guy that we didn't see much of. He'd have been a really good special teams player, maybe like a rotation guy last year, and now he's pushing for a starting job by some guy that just left for the NFL, right? Like they would have had somebody. Like let's say they would have landed a Caleb Evans last year. And he would have started opposite Cam Hart. I think Clarence, we'd be looking at Clarence a little bit different because he would have been a nice role player, rotation guy, would have made some plays. Sure. They could have protected him a little bit as he continued to develop his game. Now he goes into his junior year. Now is when we expected Clarence to really start to kind of become the player he's capable of being. And I think he's a guy that could end up being that player as well. Again, that's more so of what I'm hearing. And then also just that's thinking important. about the, the role he was thrust in. We've seen this yeah. before where guys were forced on the field too early, didn't look good early on. I mean, Harrison Smith, anyone? Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Like Now, again, he was in a different situation because he was playing linebacker when he shouldn't have been playing linebacker. But we've seen this before. I remember how terrible David Bruton was early in his career because he just wasn't ready to play yet. And then by his senior year, he's a pretty good football player and gets drafted and yeah. has a very, very long NFL football career. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think that I think that's kind of where I look at 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 Clarence is not that he's going to be a great player, so I don't necessarily want to put him in the you know I'm not ready to put him in that breakout category, but I think he's going to be a better player than people think. Which perception wise, he can end up being a breakout player. I think in a lot of ways, I think he's a guy that's being written off a little bit too easily. Now, could he get beat out this year? Yeah. Uh, are there guys that I think have more natural ability than him? Oh yeah, but he just strikes me as one of those dudes who's not going to. He, he's a Jersey kid, right, Vince? He's not going down without a fight. You're not just going to walk in and like, oh, you're pretty good. Here's my job, right? He's going to battle. He's going to compete. And I think he's a guy that could surprise some people. Oh, I like that. And I think I will also say that if he if it's not this year, like this is it. That, that if he right. if he break out this year, then he'll be he'll be he'll the get guy. Passed up. If not, yeah, exactly. If not, he's going to get yeah. passed up, and that's going to be it. You know, so. Right. 
I think that the older these guys get, the more mature these guys get, they also understand that. Like, okay, this is my time. This is my moment. This is my opportunity. And if I don't embrace it now, it's never going to happen again. You know, and I'm going to be kind of that forgotten guy. So that is also a big part of the Clarence Lewis story. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so I'm sure he feels that pressure. And I think he's going to use that pressure in a positive way. So we'll see how that does. Because, again, competition's a good thing. You know, I want competition for that other cornerback position. I, I want there mm-hmm. to be, I want it to be neck and neck. I want their guys to be fighting for that spot because then if you win that spot, then you have won that spot. It's mm-hmm. not going to be, well, I don't know who to put there. So, uh, you, you're you the go. vet. We'll play you. I don't want that to yeah. be the case. I want there to be some legit competition. And I think there will be. So, Vince, that's going to do it for this part of our show as far as the breakout players. I think it was a very interesting discussion. There's other guys we could talk about. And and there's always somebody that breaks out that you maybe don't expect. And that's always part of the the fun of this conversation. happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing they're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from my patriot supply go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com